Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 29, She Blinded Me With Science. Yeah, so uh, I think the theme of today's episode is going to be technical updates to watches. Uh, Not all of them, but I think the first couple. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pushing the pushing the uh, envelope and uh, advancing the science, that sort of thing. Uh, We don't normally do this, but, you know, you're an engineer. You're you're equipped to have these conversations. Uh, More or less. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm not. Also, you know re-engineering bringing back old technology and modernizing it um and and bringing technology that's also affordable to the common people or maybe more affordable hey, who to are you calling common yeah oh uh, yeah to, to the blue collar blue jeans you know <laughs> <laughs> all right so speaking of old technology made new again Yes. What do you got, Sanch? So the one I'm going to start off with is the Christopher Ward C65 Super Compressor. So uh, Christopher Ward, which is a relatively newcomer in the watch game, you know, they came out, I think, what was it, early 2000s? Uh, early yeah, they've 2000s. been around for a while now. But yeah, they were, I guess, one of the, the first of the new wave of micro brands. At, right. At this stage, they're... they're they're established enough that, you know, maybe they're somewhere above microbrand. Uh, I think so, too. I mean, they have yeah. an excellent line of watches, and we have covered them in a few of our episodes. And we have a, a favorite, which is the, uh, the, the C65 wall timer. Which, by the way, um, I did see on eBay at, at a bit of a discount. Now now you got me intrigued. Now we You've got been it. busy all week. I didn't message you. Yeah, it was like, well, I think the... the Watch retails for about a thousand. It was for like nine hundred bucks. I mean, it was like basically a brand new world timer that a guy just probably got sick of wearing or changed his mind on. So normally um, you would fill me in on the side with these deals, and, but now you're just revealing to the public. So <laughs> you're would this would would you be interested? I think it's already gone, to be honest. Oh, but... it's probably gone, and unfortunately, I probably won't even make the move. But yeah, at least I, I know you. Headphones. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think christopher ward is probably one of those brands that we're both very fond of and interested in we just don't have an example yet yes i I think it should be in our collection at some point in time yeah yeah so what what is this puppy about so this is basically a dive watch and it's got a true super compressor um where the deeper you go the more um sealing and the case seals itself from from the outside so the key bit is that christopher ward went back in in time to to refer uh, a true super compressor case back technology which was pioneered by epsa so Irvin picares i apologize if i screwed up his name or pronounced his name wrong um he back in the 50s he revealed a case that would compress uh, further, the deeper you went, so provided the greater seal. So what Christopher Ward did is they reverse engineered the case design to manufacture one of their own, and they have a compression spring located in, in the seal of the case pack. 
Yeah. And you can see it in the exhibition case back. It's a red, it's a red spring, right? Or it's a, it's a red ring. And under yes. that is a spring. Yeah. I think the spring is, is housed within that. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing is, you know, this is an added uh, effort, you know, to go back reverse engineer, but also develop it on your own. Um, yeah. So the, the cool thing is this, the spring is actually a very thin spring. It's only like 300 micron thick. Wow. So, okay. Um, it's a true super compressor. Um, yeah, it, and I, I think the the companies that did this is like Enicar, Belova. Yeah, uh, Lon- the Longines Legend Diver is a super compressor case, right? It's the yeah. I mean, it got really popular back in the day, right? Um, right. I when, mean, back in the day, everybody. I mean, a lot of people shared case designs. Right, cases would be in with different branding with different companies. So right. The Epsa case was shopped around to a bunch of companies to use. Right, and I think Squale was also another company that was famous for making cases yeah. for the big brands before venturing out on their own and making their own dive watches. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so to just give the listeners out there what the watch kind of looks like, it's uh, it's a super compressor. So I guess the worst visual, the first visual thing you see with a with a super compressor dive watch is the bezel, which is located within the dial, and it's a inner rotating bezel. And it's it's a, like a two tone. Basically, it's black and white with an orange inverted triangle up at twelve o'clock. And the inner dial, it, you can get it in either like a blue or they call it black sand, which is kind of like a brownish black, black brown. Yeah. Um, and the hour and and minute hands are they're like kind of like sword hands or baton hands, with the hour hand uh, in orange and the seconds hand, which is tipped in orange as well. Yeah, I would say they're more baton hands than sword hands, but yeah, yeah. And um, the second, yeah, go on. The second hand is is got that that Christopher Ward trident on the other end, so yeah. which is you know uh, synonymous with with their watch designs. Uh, it's like a key feature. Yeah, it's in the trident diver. Yeah, mm-hmm. because this is within the trident line, right? This is within. I believe within so. C sixty five trident line. Okay. I'm not too, I, I, I don't quote me on it, but you would have to assume so. But I always, when I see the Trident second sign, I know it's a most likely a Christopher Ward watch. Yeah. Um, so the, the watch is water resistant to 150 meters. Um, it's got an exhibition case back, as I mentioned. It's got two crowns. The one at two o'clock controls the, uh, the, the bezel and the other one controls, you know, you can adjust the time. The cool thing is it's a little detail. But if you notice the luminous, the luminous markers on the, the inner dial, if you go from 12 to 4 o'clock, they're in a yellow, whereas the rest is in oh. white. Okay. So it's a, it's a cool little detail. Um, so you said this comes in two colors. It comes in the blackish brown and then a the blue. What, what would be your pick? I would actually go for the blackish brown. Interesting. Uh, it, yeah. Interesting. I think it, it just goes well with the rest of the watch. And I particularly love the, the rotating inner bezel, the, the, the way they designed that. It's got like, a, it reminds me of a vintage speedometer that you will find on, you know, like a 50s or 60s uh, American muscle cars or anything like that. Okay. But the font that they use. Okay, okay. Um, the blue one has a kind of a sunburst effect. So it's, uh, it's, it's called ocean blue. So they, they're calling this black sand and they're calling the blue on ocean blue. Yeah. Uh, both are very kind of 60s, 70s vintage colors. So I think both work. And the, and the case is cushiony. So um, yes, everything, everything kind of works here. Yeah. 
Exactly. I think uh, Christopher Ward did a stellar job with the execution of his watch. What's what's the movement inside? What's what's ticking? It's the Salida SW two hundred. Okay. So I mean, it's it's kind of like an off the shelf, but it's a good movement. I mean, it's fine. I'm not complaining. We about we it. have the same discussion like nearly every episode, and yeah, we always we say Salida SW two hundred is fine. <laughs> I don't know why we have to like. Back it. I I don't know why you bring it up. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like my personal insecurity or something about Salida, but I actually don't mind it at all. Yeah, I think we should get past it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, what's the what's the damage here, Sanch? The damage is actually not bad at all. So it's about one thousand one hundred forty-five. If you get the steel bracelet, which I would pick, okay. or you can get a strap for thousand twenty-five. You know why? Okay. Just pay one hundred twenty bucks more and get the 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 bracelet. Get the bracelet. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is fantastic, and the fact that they they reverse engineered uh, classic case design like this, and instead of just putting in, you know, two crowns and calling it a day, I I'm very impressed. I've, I've, you've got to we've got to you know shower praise to Christopher Ward for doing that. Um, I I think this is the kind of stuff that real watch nerds really like, and uh, yeah, it's really impressive. So and um, if- I like the fact that they showed that it's a super compressor, you know, so you can see more than just the movement. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, very impressed. And even Christopher Ward doing this um, for a smaller brand to do this is uh, even more impressive. So, uh, you know, our love for Christopher Ward just grows. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I, I put it in the same sort of, like level not in terms of like a ranking or anything but the same you know with like zodiac you know they've been coming out with like watch after watch that are really attractive and and vintagey and 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 hits our kind of like uh our 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 preference of what a vintage watch on the modern day would look like right 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 so yeah very impressive this is a home run right fair enough sash yes sir all right. So uh, the other, uh, you know, kind of technical watch that we wanted to focus on was uh, the Bulova Accutron SpaceView 2020 and the SpaceView DNA. Um, so Hodinkee's actually been promoting Bulova, uh, I think, for most of July, uh, a bunch of their watches. So this was this was one of their headline watches. Um, you know, just to this is also kind of industry news. So Accutron is being launched separately from Bulova. It's being launched as an independent brand. So kind of think like, um, you know, Bulova is to Accutron as Seiko is to Grand Seiko. Gotcha. Uh, um, they're all going to be within the citizen group. So they're going to be sharing expertise and sharing technology where, where possible. But um, I think this kind of push this summer was to make Accutron its own thing. Um, and to kind of mark their... Uh, birth or rebirth, um, they're launching a, the new Accutron watches um, with a new drive, and uh, it's called the electrostatic drive system. Um, and Hodinkee really went into the technicals of how this works, but just very quickly, the electrostatic drive system uses the attraction and repulsion of an electrical charge in order to both generate electrical current and to generate mechanical energy. So instead of a rotor and stator system uh, where a magnetic field is produced in the uh, regular electrical motors, the electrostatic system involves the movement of a current from two electrodes 
in in between which a rotor sits. Um, so the Hodinkee article and write-up has a really good explanation and a diagram to kind of show the difference between an electrostatic motor and a, a typical electric motor that you'd find in a quartz watch, for example. Um, so the new Accutrons have both an electrostatic motor, which drives the seconds hand, and, and two smaller electrostatic generators, which provide the charge necessary for the rotor to turn. And these generators also charge an accumulator, which provides current for the conventional electromagnetic stepper motors, which are the conventional electric motors that move the hour and minute hands. So really the hour and minute hands operate in a different motor than the seconds hand. Um, so while the second hand is run by electrostatic motor, um, the hour and minute hand are run by a traditional electrical motor. Um, so they operate kind of similar to any other quartz watch. Um, really it's the seconds hand that's unique. Um, so when you look at the watch, uh, the electrostatic motor is at 10 o'clock and it oscillates kind of like an automatic movement. And the seconds hand, because of the way the motor operates, actually sweeps smoothly, it doesn't tick. Um, so it's a really interesting uh, work around the, the course tick. I, I feel like it's a lot of work and a lot of uh, technical innovation to achieve a sweep. Um, but you know, in, all, in all fairness, it is a unique motor, right? It's not something that, that any, any other course watch right now has. Um, it's unique to this, to this watch. And because it has that skeletal view, you can, it's a very unique look, right? You've got the electrostatic motor at 10 and it's a big, it's a big yeah. motor. And then you've got the two smaller motors at um, I guess seven and four. Um, it's a very unique look, and it, it's obviously supposed to harken back to the older Accutrons, the the Space Fuse, the original ones. Um, but uh, you know, it, it is something unique, and it is it's a new technology. So, um, you know, this is not spring drive like Seiko's uh, proprietary system. There's no conventional mainspring or gear train. This is its own kind of animal. Um, you know, for that, you know, you, you got you to gotta kind of pay attention and, and kind of give them some credit here for trying something new. Um, the SpaceView lineup uh, is the original SpaceView watches uh, with the skeletal dials and the green base plates. It's pretty iconic now. Uh, and the copper coils as well. These, these are kind of uh, visuals that uh, anyone who's familiar with the Belova Accutron watches from the 60s would recognize. Uh, the Space View 2020 has got straight lugs. It's supposed to be kind of evocative of the old Space View. And then the Space View DNA keeps the original design cues, uh, hooded lugs, and these uh, shield, uh, shield-shaped case. The case is kind of shaped differently. Yeah, it's very interesting, this, this watch. Yeah. The line the... of watches. It's like, a, it's like a very 60s looking watch, which is what it's based off. I get that. But I, I like the fact that they, you know, it's, it's very original in that sense. Yeah, so let me just finish off the pricing. The Spaceview 2020 is priced at 34.50. The Spaceview 2020 limited edition is four grand. And the Spaceview DNA that comes in, they, they come with four different colors, uh, the gray blue, the gray black, the gray gold tone, and the gray silver tone. They're all at 3,300. Um, but yeah, I, I um, what are your thoughts on this? So if like a regular mechanical watch, if you were to say, It'd be in apply some analogy if that was let's say like an internal combustion engine this would probably be the uh 
electric EV setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like uh, Belova went to great lengths to develop this movement. Yes. But I, where, if I were to guess that it's probably a very high efficient and uh, very uh, precise timekeeping. I'm yes. looking to see whether if there's any um, timekeeping accuracy detail, but doesn't seem to show. Yeah, the, the original uh, Bolova space view uh, wasn't actually uh, wasn't actually a quartz watch, right? It was it was uh, I don't know how how would you describe it, Sanch? It had a running motor. Right? It was basically an electric motor watch. Uh, right. I'm 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 describing it very poorly and I'm, I'm embarrassed, but it had a hum to it because no, it don't basically... be. It's it's normal for you. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it it hummed along. So the new watch doesn't do that. It, it's it's an updated movement, obviously. So they didn't go for a one to one recreation. Um, right. But still, I, I I think it's you know it's it's very attractive. Um, it's attractive in its own way. I mean, it's it's very different from say a regular watch. I mean, you can still tell time and everything, but it's very like 1960s space UFO sort of thing. Yeah, um, I like the uh, the how the crystal basically covers the entire face of the watch. Yes, and it's it's kind of like domed. So when you look at it face view, the indices kind of look uh, bloated. Depending how you look at it, yeah, it's it's a big boy, yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, price... I, I kind of like it. I mean, you're getting a kind of a cutting edge technological watch on your wrist for three grand. I yeah, I think that's pretty impressive. Oh, I think so too. I mean, it's but to the common person out there, is, is if you were to tell them that it's, it's not a mechanical watch and you're going to spend three four grand on it. It might be a little bit difficult. I think you got to be a, a, a watch fan, or a... yeah, yeah. You you you've got to know enough to appreciate it, um, yeah. or be a fan of the original Accutron Space View. Um, you know, I, I I'm impressed. I I, I think it's cool. Um, it's a, it's a cool take on a, on a movement. It's a cool take. Yeah. Kind of like how you know we appreciate the, the Grand Seiko movement or the Spring Drive movement. Sorry. Yeah, for me, you know, I'm still gaga about Spring Drive. I, I think that's the most amazing movement out there. So I that is still on my to-buy list. Um, I know you're not too crazy about the Grand Seiko. Grand I actually Designs don't mind it. Like, you know, the, the technology yeah. behind it's very impressive. Huh? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. But you got to give these guys credit, too. I mean, this is very <laughs> impressive. I, anytime you give me a chance to talk Seiko, I'll talk Seiko. Yeah. I mean, this, this, is, this is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, would I get one? Not necessarily, but I appreciate that they made it. And I think that uh, it is a compelling purchase for a watch fan. Yeah. Um, so, Okay. That's all we had for science. Now we're um, going to conventional watch. <laughs> well, not just yet. The one I'm going to talk about is more conventional, but the, I have one, well, they're more conventional. Let's just leave it at that. But okay. the one I want to bring up is my my personal favorite brand. Or Oh, Omo. God. Oh, God. <laughs> How did this make the cut? I, I should have deleted this. How did this happen? I, I snuck it in. <laughs> I don't know why you bash on Forbes. I don't actually. I actually really like this brand. So, all right, Sam, spit it out. What is it? It's the Fortis Flieger F43 Bicompax Chronograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So it's uh, Fortis's, I guess uh, they, they, they are releasing a new pilot swatch and uh, hopefully uh, a new line. It's uh, kind of like a, a different take on what a pilot watch should be. Um, so it's, it's a large watch. It's, it's a bi-compact swatch, which is basically a two-register chronograph. And it's, it looks pretty, pretty hefty. It's, it's a 43 millimeter case. Yeah. But if you look at it, it, it looks at first like a simple two register chronograph with uh, just regular rectangular indices. But when you look mm. at the details, it's, it's very impressive. So Fortis decided to add some depth to the watch. So the chronograph registers, which are located at three and nine o'clock, they are kind of recessed into the dial, but there's yeah. an outer track where the hour and minute markers are, and it's on a, a higher position. It's a bit and, raised, yeah. Yeah, it's raised, and, and Fortis calls it a bricks track. Now, the really cool thing of the bricks track is actually, um, let's say, from 11 to 1 o'clock. So you have the classic uh, triangular marker with the two dots at the 12 o'clock. Yeah, but you notice there is a, like an orange line that goes from eleven to one. Yeah, what is that? That is illuminated in orange, and it's the idea of it is for synchronization. So, like a five second plus or minus five second timing synchronization. So the idea is, which is probably a bit of a marketing thing, uh, it, it's meant for like say pilot squadrons to coordinate with their teammates when doing. Um, Say maneuvers. Okay. Um, but it's 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 a nice little feature and it's very well illuminated. Um, and it, it just brings another character to the watch. Okay. Uh, the bezel is a inverted bezel. It's got hour markers, so you can kind of use it as a pseudo GMT. And there's a date uh, complication at the six o'clock, which is also illuminated in orange. And basically, it's this special orange. It's called the Burlak Flower Orange. And it's done by a company called Burlak, which specializes in unique lacquers. Wow. Okay. So all in all, it's just a very interesting and original take by Fortis on, on the watch. What are your thoughts, Tony? It, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. I, I have to tell you, this is... This is an original design from Fortis. Uh, I tend to think a lot of their watches are kind of derivative a little bit. Uh, right. But this is an absolutely beautiful watch. Um, and I love, as you mentioned, the different planes involved, right? You've got, you've got the dial, you've got the sub-dials, and you've got the hour markers all, all on different planes. Correct. And it brings a three-dimensional look to the watch. Yeah. And then the bezel is also beveled in. So yeah. that gives you more angularity. Um, it's it's stunning. I I I think it's fantastic. It's it, to me, it's got a very '80s look to it. I don't know how you feel about it. You know it, what? But... You're right. You, you it's it's very tool watchy. First of all, you know what it reminds way. me of? It reminds me of the Autodromo Group B watches. Have you seen those watches? Yes. So yeah. just look up Autodromo Group B. Their standard Group B. They've done a lot of. Um, you know, iterations, but just a regular groupie watch in steel. Um, it, it's kind of a similar design language, you know, if you're right. Yeah. 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 Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? It's got a very like Audi, uh, Quattro eighties, you know, sort of feel to it. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I, 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 I think it's fantastic. How much is, how much is the Fortis? So this one's a little bit on the pricey side. So a couple of things I wanted to add. So the movement is based off the Vashu 7750, which is tried and tested. And it, they, they call it the Fortis UW51. Um, the cool thing with this is, like, like I mentioned, there's a lot of detail to this watch. Even the pushers, they're textured, so it allows better grip for you to press on them. Yeah. You know, glove or slippery hands. Yes. So the price is about thirty nine fifty for steel, thirty four fifty for leather strap. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's it is that's, a high end watch. I mean that's it's, that's that's completely reasonable. I don't think that's an issue at all. No, not at all. I not just all. love the originality in the design. Yeah. No, I I think that's fantastic. Um, how thick is it? That's my my only concern. Is I've you know I've got the Zin one four four. Alju 7750 movement and that movement tends to be a bit tall you know so yeah. you kind of you kind of force the case size to be a bit thick so the case is cons- actually 43 millimeters wide but the thickness i'm not actually 100 sure yeah it looks chunky that's for sure it does yeah i i like it i i the the colors the lacquers um the the actual um design decisions they made i think are all right on this uh usually i i, I give fortis a hard time but uh, i don't know why i no, i i actually like fortis i i just like to do it to troll you um but <laughs> so the case uh, is about 16 millimeters in thick which is on the thicker side 16 yeah Ooh, okay yeah i mean <laughs> i mean that bezel is chunky you got to give them that yeah yeah there's just no way around that um yeah, I, I look, you know, but the but the lugs do curve down, right? So like, yes. there's an attempt to make it kind of hug your wrist a little bit. So, um, you know, it may wear a lot more comfortably than what those numbers may suggest, right? So, yeah. you you really have to try it before you can say anything. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I like it a lot. I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, great. I and and even the illumination. If you see some pictures, the articles we are gonna refer we're referring to. Um, don't really show that, but if you see, like, say, I think there's a video or something out there, it 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 lights up uh, the sky. It's... Question for you: So, of the two sub dials, the nine o'clock is the running seconds, and then the three o'clock is the elapsed chronograph time. Good question. I actually did not pay attention to that. I I think so. I think so. Because I was just about to give Fortis credit because the chronograph seconds hand is an orange. And the chronograph subdial is surrounded in orange, unlike the other subdial. So yes. if, if that is correct, then all the more credit for uh, continuing kind of the logic, the visual logic here. So, exactly. And I bet you that's illuminated as well. That, there you go. So, uh, yeah, this this is a home run, Sanch. Uh, I will this pause. Two watches. I will, I, I will not give Fortis a hard time on this. I think this is absolutely... A home run and they deserve all the credit in the world for it um it's it's really good yeah really like good. it's and exciting cool watch you know? as cool watch can be you know yeah yeah and in that 80s aesthetic i don't even know if they meant to do it um but i love that i i have a thing for the autodroma group b watches um so um, i have, have you ever tried one on have you seen one in I person okay i i went to a worn and wound event a couple years ago i did see one up up close on somebody and uh I did. I did like it. It's it's a good looking watch. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, okay. All right. We are motoring along on some pretty good watches here. Yeah. Um, I think we have we've hit the mark on the watches we have selected. So. 
Yeah, nothing but the best here, Sanj. <laughs> nothing but the best. That's right. Uh, next, we're we're gonna kind of change eras here. We're gonna go talk about the 1940s. Um, this is the Serica 4512 collection. So this is basically a 1940s era, World War II era handwound uh, military watch collection. Um, this is actually the second run. Uh, the first run uh, was out about a year ago, I think exactly a year ago. Um, and uh, basically this is by WMB. Uh, I'm not familiar with this outfit as much. Um, I don't remember them from last year. Um, but, you know, just to give you kind of a quick rundown, these are hand-wound military watches. They come in three dial options. Um, all the dials are, are black lacquered, so they have a very rich black um, and all have broad arrow hour hands. So that's kind of the consistent uh, theme across all the watches. But that's kind of where the changes begin, right? So you've got the California, which splits the dial into Roman numerals on top and Arabic numerals on the bottom. Um, this allegedly was an older, old, old way to kind of um, combat confusion and orientation if your watch is upside down or not, I guess. I don't know. Uh, allegedly, that, that's I have did it. seen that before. I personally not a fan of it, but I have actually seen that before in some of the older watches around this era, too. It's a bit funky. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how I how I feel about it. Um, the Commando, which is an open minute track at the perimeter. And then the WMB, which is a railroad minute track with each hour getting its own uh, loom plot. Um, all the watches come in a 37.7 millimeter case, uh, 20 millimeter lug. Um, yeah. And it comes on a bond clip bracelet, which is um, um, it's very difficult to describe, but it, it's basically a very 1940s era metal bracelet. Uh, think of the Forstner bracelet for uh, the Speedmaster about 20 years before that. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it is a very funky bracelet. It kind of reminds me of like tank tracks. Yeah, I, this was a British, uh, British Army kind of special. Uh, this yeah. was something that people would buy these bond clip bracelets and put it on their service watches when they headed off to Second World War. So this yeah. is a very common thing uh, in that era on those watches. Um, but yeah, look, I, it's a very simple design. Um, this isn't a very complicated kind of kind of thing. Um, they're going for around six hundred fifty dollars. Um, Two year warranty. It's 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 a decent it's a decent watch. You know, there's. I like how you bring up the warranty. <laughs> I, I was just reading on the site as well. <laughs> well, I mean, look, it's a two year warranty from a micro brand, right? So that that that's something that that they're willing to stand by. Um, but yeah, you know, I. It's simple, but it's clean. I don't know. What are your thoughts here? I actually do like it. It's it's so a few things I, I wanted to mention. It's I like the fact that they kept it small, thirty seven point seven millimeter case size, which is very similar to the case sizes back in the day. You know, that would probably be on the larger side, if anything. Yes. Um, I actually do not like the I guess the, what they call the California. I like the, just the the regular one with the twenty four hour uh, markers in the inner section okay got it the broad that's, arrows that's the commando cool. yeah the commando okay yeah so it's uh, which is the one that has the middle one not the one that has like the the track the train track markers but the other one that kind of looks more rectangular of the the minutes which one is that one called 
if it's not a railroad track and it's not a California, it's the Commando. It's the Commando. Yeah, that's the one I would take. Okay. Yeah, I I, th- I think I think I take the Commando too. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, the the railroad track one is actually pretty impressive too. Right. right? That's that, the... that's a very 1940s esque. It is, and it, it's funny. Know, thinking you say Dirty that Dozen. I was planning to mention that just as you said it, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so the... aesthetically, it looks kind of kind of cool. Yeah, the other thing is it's actually pretty accurate. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it, taking inside, I forgot to mention, is neither an ETA or a Salida movement. It's actually an STP 1-11, uh, which STP, if people aren't familiar, I wasn't familiar, uh, is, a, is a company owned by Fossil. It's called Swiss Technology Production, and they make their own in-house movement. So uh, this specific caliber has 45 hours of power reserve, hacking seconds, and a minus six plus six level of accuracy, allegedly. So uh, that is very impressive. That is very yeah, impressive. It, it, and the watch is 200 meters water resistant. Very impressive. So, yeah, I, I you know, for 650 bucks to get basically an analog to, you know, look, this is not a recreation of the Dirty Dozen or anything like that, but an analog to those watches with a modern movement um is very impressive you're getting the look and you're not getting the hassle of having to wear a vintage watch um so i i, I this is great i don't know yeah, what, what are your thoughts Sanchez? yeah it's I, I think it's a good find first of all it's a very Thank handsome you. looking watch it's uh you can wear this kind of like every day or to a dinner party because it's a simple three-hander right yeah uh, it's clean uh but you know it has kind of a rough and tumble field element to it too right if you wanted right. to beat it up you could um yeah, I think I'd probably take the railroad track. I'll take the WMB, and you take the Commando. I guess. I'll Open probably take minute. the Commando. I just like the bezel. Like I like how it's brushed at the top, and the edges. Yeah. It's chamfered and it's polished. It, it just brings a nice uh, elegance to the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, and the bond clip uh, is a good touch. I, 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 I actually like it, and it's very, it's very appropriate to the watch and the era. So um, I think on any other uh, steel bracelet. It would look a, it would look a bit funny, but on the bond clip, it, it works really well. Uh, yeah, it just it just kind of works together. And on NATO, it, it would work too, I, I think. You know, because it, again, it's kind of period specific and function specific. So, very impressive, very impressive. Yeah, no, no, good find, good find, and and you know, credit to a micro brand putting a a really good effort. Yeah, I I'm not very familiar with. Uh, this outfit. Um, we'd have to do some more research on who these guys are. But allegedly, this is their second run on this watch. They've already done one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Check it out. All right. What, what do you got, Sanch? All right. So, the last, I guess, watch I'm going to cover from my end is the Mido Ocean Star GMT. So, Mido, which is part of the Swatch group, it's, it's a watch we brand that we bring up just seldomly, just like here and there, um, they released a GMT version of their dive watch, of the Ocean Star dive watch, and it's it's one that's got a unique. It's it's more of a truer GMT where it's got a jumping hour. Yeah, and I'll get to that in just a bit, but just to give uh, the listeners out there what it kind of looks like, so you can get it in three flavors. Um, so you can get it in like say a blue look, yeah, or you can get it in black with uh, orange indices and markings. And then you can get like the same thing with a two-tone like bracelet, like a golden. Rose gold, kind of a rose goldy. Okay. So 
It's a classic dive watch look, but the if you look at the dial, the inner, there's a chapter ring. And it's got the GMT markers on it. And as I mentioned, the it's got a jumping hours GMT. So what does that mean? So it means that suppose you're flying from point A to point B, let's say from Boston to Seattle. Um, you have your current GMT hand and your local ha- time hand, hour hand in, in the Boston time. And when you fly to Seattle and land there, you're about three hours behind. So you can adjust through unique position of the crown, the local hour hand, and you can literally allow it to jump to that specific hour. And only the local hour hand jumps and the other minute hand, the the time keeps on going and the GMT hand does not change. So you can instantly jump to the right time zone that you're currently in. Meanwhile, keep with the GMT hand, it still tracks like the time that you are in Boston. Oh, I see. Okay. So very unique in that sense. Yeah, um, so, I, I, Rolex and Omega do this, but at their price point, right? So this. Yeah. Is... The the unique thing about this watch is it's really affordable. It's it's over just over a thousand bucks. Wow. Okay. Uh, so really impressive, and and to me, it's actually a very attractive looking watch. It's on the larger side. It's 44 millimeters. Jeez. Yeah, it's huge. Um, why, but the cool thing is... This? Why did they do this? I don't know. I, I don't get it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, the, the other cool thing is the, the bezel is also ceramic as well. So okay. for, you know, scratch resistance. But why I meant it's unique is it's for, for the price that you're paying... You are getting a really, uh, a really cool watch with a lot of unique uh, features. You know, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck here. Yeah. So okay. the movement is based on they call it the Mido Caliber 80, which is based on the ETA movement. Uh, if you want to specifically, is C07.661. The cool thing is it's got an 80-hour power reserve as well. This so, is the Powermatic movement, right? The Powermatic yeah, 80. I would have to assume so. Okay. Or at least it's based on the Powermatic 80? Okay. Yeah, I think to so calls it the Powermatic. I think Hamilton might call it something else, but they're all, you know, because they're all under the Swatch group sharing. The Empire, yeah. Yeah, the Empire. Uh, what are your thoughts, Tommy? Um, I, you know, when, when, I, when I first saw the article, I wasn't very impressed with the design, to be honest. The blue, the blue version really didn't speak to me, but... Um, when you mentioned the um, the gray with the orange highlights, that's a very attractive watch. I think that yeah, that works. The lumen that, green, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think this that's the one I would take. That yeah. doesn't mean I don't like the blue one. I actually do think the blue one does look cool. Um, the one thing unique with the blue is that if you look at the GMT ring, it splits colors between black and blue. Oh, I thought it was just a shadow. Is that is that for real? That's that's for real. Oh, okay. So now now you've come back to the blue, right? No, I, I still like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I, you know, it, it seems a bit big. You know, it that, does, that's the only that's... thing I, I would complain about. Um, yeah. You know, other than that, it, 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 I think it's really cool that it's got a, a jumping uh, local hand. Um, yeah. I, I think... 
to bring that kind of technology at this price point is really unique. And that's kind of what the focus should be, the, the, the selling focus should be, until I'm assuming the rest of the Swatch Group brands get something like this. Yeah. You know? uh, I'm assuming they're just going to roll it out across, across everybody. But um, yeah, it's impressive, I, I, I've got to say. The other cool bit about this watch, which I forgot to mention, is the case back. It's got like a time zone reference that you can refer to. Um, so it kind of, one could say it's like a world timer case back. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's got the various cities on the back and it kind of right. plus. Okay. Got so it. pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a great value proposition, but the size can deter a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, you know, this is, this is a case of you kind of need to try it on before you can make any sweeping judgments on it. Yeah. Um, you know, the curve of the lugs and everything could, could be a completely different story um, on how it fits. But yeah, from what it looks like, it looks a bit big, but yeah, I, 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 I you know, that, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm all for it. I think that orange and green one is the one I'd go for. Yeah. And I just loved like the ceramic bezel, you know, the sheen, the shine on it. Kind of reminds me of your Marine Master in some sense. Of course, the best. The best. <laughs> okay, time, what are the prices anytime, for this? I, I, anytime I fit in a Seiko uh, blurb, you get all excited. I, I you know, the more I uh, go into watch collecting, the black hole that it is, uh, the more I love Seiko. And the more, I, I just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I talk to w other watch people and, and they look at me like I got two heads because all, all I really want to talk about are Seiko. <laughs> I love Seiko. You yeah. want to dedicate this podcast to Seiko. We've done multiple Seiko specials. We have. We have. We haven't done one this year yet, I don't think. so. We've been I mean, it's not like I've one. been resistant to it because I'm a Seiko fan too. So whenever we get a chance to talk about Seiko. Seikotic. Yes. <laughs> that, that's that works, it. right? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Very good. Okay. I like the Mido. Um, the price. Right, so the, oh, yeah. yeah. Prices. What do you got? So it is just over a thousand bucks. So the ones I found out were, were listed in Euro, but you know, it's not that far. Jesus. From you could have to convert this. No, you, you figure it out yourself. Um, so it is 1150 Euro for this steel blue with the bezel or with the, with the strap, which comes with a strap. It's 1210. For the black, uh, the black with the steel bracelet, and okay. then the two-tone bracelet is thirteen forty. So it's not that much more expensive from you know when you jump in, and from strap to bracelet, and bracelet to two-tone bracelet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I would I would go for that steel black bezel bracelet combination. Yeah. That's, that's it's. I'll actually have to wear it first to see if it fits nicely, but even the blue one, it's also very attractive. Yeah. It yeah. kind of reminds me in some ways, some ways of the, uh, of the Tudor, whether it's the Pelagos or uh, more to the Pelagos. It's got I, the I, I don't see it. I know what you're talking about, but I don't see it. All right. All right. That was asking too much. <laughs> uh, why? Well, why does it look like the Pelagos to you? I think the the blue that they use, at least in the pictures, and, and just the square and rectangle indices, are markers. It's just wrong. Right. Wrong. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Tommy. Yeah. Okay. If if it makes you happy. Um. Okay. My turn. Go for it. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I've got two sets of watches, last two to talk about. The first one is the Laco Augsburg um, 862-125 and the Aachen 862-126. Uh, both of these are top watches. Um, Laco is one of the, I believe, one of the original ones to get the contract from the Luftwaffe for the Flieger watches, the Type A and Type B. Uh, we actually spoke about that um, on our special on Fliegers. I think we yes. did, we, we did uh, one on Fliegers, right? Back, back yeah, we did, like a couple of, a few years ago, actually. A couple of years ago, yeah. So, um, you know, just refer back to that episode to know the difference between a Type A and Type B. Uh, but the big news here uh, is that uh, the dials are on top, so it's, it's kind of a different grayish brown color um it looks a bit strange when you look at it in, in the pictures but um the fratello guy said that in person the color works um it's it's a, it's a unique take and, and the interesting thing is um they're offering this with um basically a miota movement an 8210 movement uh, which makes it really kind of cost effective uh, you're basically able to get one for 390 euro. Wow. Either type A or type B. Yeah. Uh, 200 pieces per design per type A or type, per type B. Um, but 390 euro to get a Laco uh, Flieger watch. From one Which is company. very impressive because they're very one impressive. of the pioneers, you know? They, they, they were the, one of the ones that got the contract from the Luftwaffe. So yeah. uh, you're getting a legit Flieger watch from Germany from one of the original companies for 390 um yeah so and the miota movement listen miota is citizens in-house movement house you know so uh this is an established movement there's nothing wrong with the miota movement i like and... how you're backing miota and i'm backing salida <laughs> we, we have to well yeah i mean we have we, we haven't talked a lot about miota though unlike salida which we talk about nearly every episode but yeah. um yeah, you know, Miota, for people who don't know, is, is the citizens in-house movement. That's, that's, their, that's their movement house. So um, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, and, and because they use Miota, it's accessible at that price point. And for 390 euro to get one of those original Fliegers is, is fantastic. Um, yeah. The, the cool that's thing the news is, to me. Yeah. yeah. The cool thing is if you look at the case back, right, it's got an exhibition case back. Yeah. There's at least you know some finishing done to the watch. You know it's got uh... well the rotor's decorated. Well, and also the the plate behind the rotor. You know it's got that polishing. What do you call that? Uh, Genève stripes. The Genève. I don't know. Ah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here okay. we are, watch fans, not knowing the. Technical we're we're not into this kind of frou frou stuff, you know, about decoration and stuff. That's I do right appreciate there. it. You know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah okay yeah no it, it's an it that that's pretty cool and it's numbered uh being an le you can kind of see the number of 200 for each uh model so they're um, only making 200 pieces yeah per type a per type b ah that's both perfect. in 39 millimeters which i think is a great size um yeah no i i, I think it's very impressive i think it's very attractive i actually do like the color um of, of the dial that that you do it's 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 very um, it's very marmite, but I think in person, if if it works, it works. I I could see people being into it. Yeah, um, it's a very like it reminds me of like a neutral paint color for some reason. It reminds me of LL Bean catalogs. To be yes, honest. yes, exactly. <laughs> I was I was trying to think something like that. Fisherman's gloves. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah. It's, Which one uh, would you take, Type A or Type B? I like the Type A. I, I think the Type B is kind of busy. I would take the Type B. I think there's a lot more technical looking design to the watch being a Type B. Okay. Okay. That's and it's way more legible to tell time. Um, I, I would disagree with you there because the hour hand goes on top of the hour markers. So I, I feel like that causes more confusion than it's worth. But if you want to tell the minute, hand, the minute, and the exact... It does go all the way. But the other one goes all the way. Type A goes all the way to the end too. Right, right but you can easily... It's way more legible, right? Like you kind of have to... Like if you were to see what time exactly it is, it's, you know, they got five minute markers on the type B. I mean, I think, listen, you, I think you should get your eyes checked. I think listen, that's pal. <laughs> there's a reason why they came out with a type B. <laughs> no, that's true. That, that is true. They did, they did decide to go to type B after a certain point. Um, okay. Affordable. Right. Good, fine. Yeah. Affordable, accessible. Watches for the people. Yes. And All right. Now, let's go in the opposite direction. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about the, the, the big one. Yeah. So pe- people tend to love Rolex. And people tend to get excited when Rolex updates their Submariner. So let's just go through what Rolex has done. <laughs> You're so excited. <laughs> You're like sighing as you say this. Some of this is drama, but some of this is real. All right. Just, just bring some enthusiasm. All right, let's do this. All right. So case size for the new Submariner has increased to 41 millimeters. Um, a lot of people online cribbing and crying about it. <laughs> to be honest, could you tell the difference? <laughs> it's such a I small... Di- what was the original? For- the one before, 40 millimeters? 40 or 39? I don't know if you could visually tell the difference. I mean, if they're right next to each other, yes. But would, would, does it really wear that much bigger? I'm not, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't but, think... People are complaining for nothing. But what the, does they, annoy me? Yeah. yeah. But they minimize the thickness of the lugs and that the strap is bigger, right? Thicker or wider, sorry. So, yeah. So what they did is they slimmed down the lugs from the old maxi case In the maxi case, to be honest, I, I find the newer, the newer submariners to be a little bit too chunky. Uh, they just have too much of a wrist presence. And I think slimming down the lugs kind of makes sense. Uh, the weird decision here, and this is why I like the vintage submariners. I, I think the eighties, nineties submariners, They've got a different feel and look to them that I, I, I find really attractive. I, I find the Maxi case more recent ones to be a little bit just kind of meh, blah. Yeah. Um, the bracelet size has changed to 21 millimeters. Hmm. I don't know why they decided to do, do this. Maybe I, just to make it more comfortable to wear. It's a bizarre, um, it's a just bizarre measurement. Size. Okay. You either do 18, 20, or 22. To go 21 or 19, I feel it's to troll people and to troll your customers. And Maybe I feel like... Rolex is working on some NATO straps. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they are. I'm absolutely sure they are. So they're going to charge point. a grand, all right? I'm sure, yeah. So, yeah, that, that feels strange to me. Um, but, you know, I think the net effect of an increased case size and the slim, slim down lugs, I think, Essentially, they wash out. I, I don't. I don't know if they would necessarily. The watch would feel any different. Um, the interesting thing is, it's come. They've got eight variations of the Submariner. Um, so there's one um, non-date version, which is the Black Submariner, the classic. 
Uh, and then you've got seven variations of the date version, uh, including some two-tone models. Um, what's your pick here? Uh, so if I were to look quickly, I'll probably take the blue bezeled one. I think that actually just gives it a little bit of pop. The blue and black, the black dial? Yeah, the black dial blue bezel. Black dial blue bezel. Yeah, I, I like the Kermit. The, it's the Kermit, right? The, the green and the black? Yeah, sure. Or is it, is it the Hulk? I, no. no, I think you're right. I think it is the it's Kermit. It's the Kermit. Think... Yeah, I don't know why I second guess myself. Uh, so, yeah, that, that'd be the one I go to. I, 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 I'm a bit of a green bench right now. So, um, this one is what speaks to me. Um, but other than that, you know, they've also updated the movement. It's got a four, four hertz operating frequency, 70 hour power reserve, 31 joules. Got an anti-magnetic parachrome hairspring, uh, which is a proprietary Rolex technology. Yeah, right. the hairspring. Uh, allegedly, it's got a minus two plus two seconds per day accuracy, which is pretty impressive. Um, I mean, that's the to me that's the most impressive thing about the update is the movement itself. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think more than the aesthetics, I think the movement update is really where the the meat and potatoes here is. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I saw pictures online of people lighting basically, up. No, uh, people around the block at a Rolex boutique. I think in, I want to say Singapore. Uh, it was just a lineup of people just waiting to go in to put their names on a list so they could wait some more. So, um, you know, you're not impressed. I, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I I don't know. Well, what are your thoughts here? You know, it is the iconic Submariner. Um, and Rolex is known for doing minute updates, and they are the masters of marketing. Would I get one? No. But if I were to get a Rolex, yeah, I'll probably get a Submariner. It's like, put it this way. You wouldn't get a GMT? You know what? I changed my mind. I would get the GMT Master <laughs> 2. But yeah. this is like the, the, one of the most iconic watches ever, right? I would say it's the most iconic watch ever, by far. Yeah. Uh, maybe not by far, but definitely number one. I, I think this is the prototypical tool watch slash. Yeah, I mean if watch, the first thing. Watch. Yeah, like the the first watch you think of Rolex is the Submariner. It's the Submariner. Yeah, I, it's the first watch that I, I remember being really into, and yeah. before uh, money was a thing, I was like, yeah, of course I'll get a Submariner. <laughs> <laughs> um, just just to before we move on. The non-date version uses what they call the 3230 movement, and the date version uses something, uh, what they call the 3235. Uh, yeah. The stats with regards to accuracy and power reserve, I think, are identical between the two movements. But uh, yeah, and the, the, the interesting thing, and we'll cover this in our next episode or in a short, is the Oyster Perpetual uh, releases that Rolex did. I think there, they've taken a lot more chances with colors and sort of design, um, which I think is going to, for a more youthful audience because the Oyster Perpetual usually is the entry level watch into Rolex. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense to do, like they have like a funky orange watch, which uh, which blew me away. I, I couldn't believe it. I think they have a yellow dial watch uh, and they have this whole design your own watch kind of thing on the Rolex website. So um, I, I think that's really the news for me from the new Rolex releases is the Oyster Perpetual. I think there they've got something notable there. Uh, yeah, they Submariner went a little bit me, more Tudor 
and and just exactly exactly i i think they're dipping in the same pool of customers that tutor dips into which is a slightly younger more daring with regards to design and color than the traditional rolex you know accountant or whatever dentist lawyer yeah dentist whatever you know whatever those guys are so uh, but the Oyster Perpetual is going in that direction. So, I, I, you know, that we'll definitely cover. We'll, we'll cover in the next episode. Uh, but, you know, if, if we don't, if you don't talk about Submariner, people, people send hate mail and people, you know, make fun of you. So we kind of had to do it. <laughs> Force that, that gunpoint here. Gunpoint. Yeah, I've been taken hostage. I have to do this. Um, all right. So, so I think that's, that's all we got for What's today. the damage here? So, Jesus, I... I, I Let's take a look. All right, here we go. So it's about eighty six fifty euro for black dial and bezel. Good God! The, the, so the curve that we're referencing, they also call it the green lantern as well. I guess that's okay. nine thousand fifty. It gets worse, Tommy. It goes I up just, to like thirty four thousand for the gold. But that's for the two tone and the gold and stuff like that, right? Yeah, we can we can skip all of that to be honest. I, I just think it's crazy. I, I, you know, I, for me, if you're getting a Submariner, go vintage, go late 60s, 70s, 80s. Those well, are that's fantastic. the problem, right? They, yeah. They're also shooting up in value. You know, how hard is it to get a mill sub? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about value at all. Any, if you're going to buy a Rolex Submariner, you're probably going to get hosed. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, think, I think as far as design, as far as the classic Submariner, that's the classic Submariner. Yes. All right, Tommy. So for what you're buying. Uh, so I mentioned that the, you know, about the Ocean Midas Star and the jumping hour hand. Yeah. There's another one, I believe, that has that. And it's the Alpina Star, Star Timer Pilot Heritage Automatic GMT. Hmm. Uh, okay. So the, the sale or the deal is from Joma Shop and it's listed for 892 bucks. Oh, Okay. And it's it's a very unique dial. Um, it instead of a a GMT hand, it's got like a GMT disc on the inside. Oh, you know. okay. It's like an invisible hand, but with an arrow. That kind yes, of exactly. Okay. And it's um, th- this one's particularly in, in navy blue. It's kind of got like a sunburst finish. Yeah. So it's got like a three-piece dial. So the inner one is for the GMT. The outer one is for the hour and minute tracker, and the chapter-ish one is for the GMT. So, okay. uh, an interesting take on a GMT hand. The the case is very attractive, in my opinion, very vintagey looking. You like it? I, I find it to be a bit chunky. I not not as a bad thing, but it it it's very cushiony, almost square, almost. Right? Yeah, it's like a square cushion. I don't you know is that like a turno case? No, right? It's it's more than that. I mean, it, it's more square than anything else. Yeah, it it just reminds me of a seventies looking case. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I think it's it's a true value proposition. So for like nine hundred bucks, you get a proper GMT hand uh, watch. This is a jumping sec- jumping local. Well, as well. Our I believe well. this is a jumping because if you refer back to the Ocean Mido Star, it does refer the. This particular watch, the Alpina Star Timer GMT. Okay. Okay. So there's a very few watches out there that offer a true GMT experiment experience for an affordable price point. And yeah. I think this is one of them. 
Okay. All right. Even very if impressive. it was a jump, wasn't a jumping hour, it's still a good deal in my opinion. It's still a very good deal. And and uh, just so people know, Alpina is also a member of the Citizen Group. So that's right. A lot of Citizen watches randomly this episode. And we, it's like a subconscious thing. We didn't even think of it. We didn't even think of this. Yeah. So interesting. All right. That's a very good watch of buying. I'm very impressed. So yeah, check it out. Uh, go on. Good price. Top. Yeah. All right. Uh, so moving on to streaming gold, Sanch. Sure. All right. So uh, this week's streaming gold from me, my offering is uh, fairly simple and fairly easy. It's basically a a master watchmaker's restoration of a 1969 Omega Speedmaster Moonwatch. Um, he takes the watch apart, cleans everything, puts it back together, uh, restores it. Um, it's about 20 minutes, but you can kind of see how uh, a Moonwatch is, is, is overhauled. Uh, it's fantastic. would recommend anyone who's a watch fan to check it out. Um, mi- minimal commentary. You just kind of see him work, but it, it's, it's great. So definitely Nice. All right. What do you got, Sanch? So this is pretty recent, actually, today, uh, as, as the day of the recording. Is, so Netflix is going to re- release a miniseries about um, our, our hero and, and Bra- Brazilian racing legend, Ayrton Senna. So wow. it's an eight-part miniseries uh, based on his life. Yeah. Uh, to from, you know, the where he began his family in Brazil all the way to the 94 uh, Grand Prix of Imola where he died. Yeah. Uh, well, spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what? Spoilers. I mean, for people I, that don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if you Google Ayrton Senna, you would know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, this, this is, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is the best news I've had all year. Well, I'm going to shoot it down a little, bring, bring your joy a little bit down because why it's going to be set to launch in 2022. Damn it. I know. <sighs> okay. All right. Tell me more. <laughs> what more of him? He's a legend, a hero to his country and to the world of motorsport. Yeah. So I guess they're going to be, so this one this documentary has the um, cooperation of the Senna family and the Senna Foundation. So I guess yes. they're going to be at home, kind of seeing where he grew up and where he learned to race and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, this is this is awesome. This is, I think, actually being shot by Netflix Brazil. So it's actually a local uh, Netflix affiliate who's doing the documentary, not Netflix, uh, you know, corporate. Right. Um, but that, that'll be good. You know, it, it's going to have a Brazilian flair to it. And I think that's, uh, that's pretty yeah. exciting. Um, if it's as exciting as the, the Last Dance, um, which was the documentary. Of Did you Jordan. finish that? I enjoyed it. Yeah. The I didn't finish season. it yet. Okay. It's, it's so good. Yeah. You got to watch it. No, I it, mean, if you have Netflix right now, and I can't recommend this enough, and you live in North America, you've got to watch Senna. The, that that is probably one of the best things on Netflix right now. And that whole library is the original, I think, 2010 documentary on Ayrton yes. Senna and his racing career. It is absolutely fantastic. I have it on Blu-ray. I love that movie. Um, so it, the it, interesting thing is it that that movie focused on Senna itself and less on his racing, in my opinion. Um, it it just brought you know viewers who had not heard of Senna into and, and got them excited. Which is me, yeah. Yes. Um, but 
from a racing perspective, that documentary was okay. Yeah, I mean, it didn't go into you know the specific lubricants used in the car. It didn't go into. I mean, it, it didn't talk the about tire pressures. <laughs> it, it didn't talk about how he won. Well, it, he did. You know, his first championship in '88. And Japan. Yeah, no, it, it glossed over a, a mo- most of his career, actually. Right. But right. if you actually see his first championship, uh, so how uh, the last race in, the, in Japan, in, in Suzuka, Senna bogged the start, and he, he had to catch up, basically. Yeah, I mean, the, the trick with covering a sport like F1 is that unlike, I don't know, it's, it's, each race is pretty long, right? It's not it something is, that you, you can really you cover the key yeah. contents i mean it did it did cover certain ones like the 91 brazilian grand prix yes where senna had to fight the car because it was stuck in i think amazing yeah amazing that's oh. uh yeah that's stuff but he did not cover the, his greatest one they always like quote unquote his greatest one which the is greatest the greatest lap right yeah the 93 donnington grand prix yeah um, yeah where he came from fifth to first in the first lap amazing amazing yeah, I uh, I'm very excited. Ayrton Senna is probably one of the podcast's heroes. I think Neil Armstrong is probably the other one. Yes, Bench, fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> I think both of them get a lot of coverage from us. Uh, but uh, and we will not stop. But we won't stop. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited to to watch it. And uh, if you haven't seen it already, please go watch Senna on Netflix. Yes. it is fantastic. Even uh, the can't the... say enough good things about it. The way it's directed and uh, the the soundtrack to it is fantastic. Amazing! I actually have some of the soundtrack on my workout uh, playlist. The the song "Hunt." If if you watch it, there's a song that they play um, when he's going head to head with Prost, and the famous uh, crash happened where Prost allegedly crashed. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's but that song when he's gunning it, and then yep, with ninety two, right? Nope, nope, no. So the first incident was in '89. Second one was in '90 when Prost was at Ferrari. Okay, got it. Okay. Um, so this was '89, I think, in the movie. Um, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Senna had to win that Grand Prix. Had to win, right? And he he went through the chicanes the wrong way, allegedly, and that's why he wasn't allowed. <laughs> there was to. no other way. I mean, There's no other way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they, they play that song. Uh, throughout that whole scene where the crash happens and then he goes into the pit to repair the car and then he gets back in the race and guns it to win. It, it is awesome. It, you you got to see it. Um, yeah, it's Senna is one of the best movies ever. I love that movie. So uh, um, yeah, yeah, I very love excited. Very excited to watch it. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, I, see, I got a smile on my face already, Sanch. I'm things, smiling year to year. Yeah, things are looking up. All right, so let's move on to sleeping, uh, closing notes, sleeping notes, closing notes. All right. For, so uh, moving on to closing notes, uh, I just wanted to close the loop on, on a very controversial, at least for the watch world story, which is, of course, the Bonhams making wave Seiko auction, which after all the controversy, um, just to kind of refresh people's memories, you know, this involved watch, some watches with some non-original parts, some questionable pieces, uh, some Franken watches, uh, what have you, uh, with no description. Um, so people were, were upset. Seiko fans were upset. Uh, the auction was temporarily paused and taken down, and then now it's back up. And basically what Bottoms has done is they've reduced the lot sizes, so they've taken out some of the most egregious watches. Um, and they've also included some uh, condition reports on the watches to kind of be more transparent onto what's changed, what's been updated, um, and kind of kind of give more transparency to the 
the ending uh, to the bitter. Um, so yeah, if, if you're into Seiko, like, like we are, if you're into vintage Seiko, you know, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I don't know, Sanj, what do you think? Is that enough to be transparent and kind of... That's uh, fine. I mean, yeah. I, I do like the fact that they, Bonhams is doing something for Seiko, uh, you know, to give a wider audience and, and let more people know that there's more to Seiko than just like cheap quartz watches, you know? Yes. Uh, I just don't want to see like, for example, like a turtle or whatever going for like a 250 grand. It's, it, it just, it, that's not what Seiko is all about, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it runs the gamut. Like I, I you know, they've got the high beat divers, uh, which I really like, which is like the pre-marine master watches. Um, I think those are pretty impressive. Uh, what I was really excited for was to see a Pogue in, in good condition. Um, and for what was initially 600 bucks, but I, to be honest, I haven't followed up ever since this uh, kind of blew up. I, I haven't looked back. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I don't think it hurts Seiko long-term, but I could see if you're a Seiko vintage collector, this kind of, you know, rubs you the wrong way that, you know, your brand was kind of, involved in such a debacle and through no fault of the brand itself so yeah i don't think this would hurt seiko in any way um no i don't think so no yeah i don't think so all right sanch all last right one Tom. of the night so last one of the night so one i've come across is from uh, an article from gear patrol and they have listed in and according to them the 50 greatest watches of all time uh the the quote or the gwoat Okay. Uh, so it's a list of 50 watches based on different price points, um, different kinds of watches, whether it's mechanical or quartz. Um, I think it's more to reflect the impact it's had on society or the watch community. Um, whether it's a tool watch, or an aesthetically pleasing watch, or something revolutionary. Um, so really interesting list. Um, what are your thoughts? If you scroll down the list, um, I'm scrolling. Um, it's some of our watches are there. That's for sure. Yeah, the turtles there. The Seiko turtles there. Uh, the SKX is there. SKX is there. Uh, the Speedmaster is there. Um, Speedmaster came at number two. Speedmaster number two. What's number one? The Submariner. There you go. There you go. Fifty-five thirteen. Yep. Yep. Um, one everyone craves. Um, yeah, now, I, I actually am not upset with this list. I, I think it's pretty fair. Um, I, I'm upset that Panerai is that far up. I'm not. <laughs> Panerai Luminor at five. I, I, I'm not a fan. But, uh, I'm surprised the Patek Aquanaut or the Nautilus, sorry, is not up there. It's at nine. I guess. I thought it would be further up. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I'm fine with that. The Lange Datograph. Which is actually this is Here not. Here we a, go. I, I yeah, I mean this is the Lange one that they're showing, but not it's misinterpreted, I guess, because the one they're showing in picture is the Lange one, but it's titled the Datagraph. So I'm not sure if that's correct. I mean, you got to give credit to Apple Watch as number ten. I mean, they've changed the game for smartwatches. Yeah, uh, sure. this shouldn't that shouldn't even be on the list. Okay. Oh, that's nonsense. Why? Why? Why do you think it's nonsense? It's not a watch. Not a mechanical watch. Why is it there? All right. So, well, what about a quartz watch? Yeah. What about a quartz watch? Is there a quartz watch on this list? Yes. Where? 
Hang on, I'm looking. Uh, the G Shock is there. Number eighteen. Okay, I I would put the G Shock above the Apple Watch. <laughs> What's surprising is the Carrera is not number nineteen as well. That's number nineteen. Yeah, the sixty two Moss is at thirty one. Okay, the Rolex Daytona number twenty one. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I I think the top ten should have had a cheap watch. One not cheap, but one accessible watch should have been the top ten. Yeah, I feel like putting all. High, uh, I guess the Apple Watch kind of fits. I guess I don't know. That it seems poor. I, I'm I'm not a fan of that. It, it should have been the I mean, like, or the or the Casio DW. You know. I mean, think of FW. the things that the Apple Watch does have. I mean, for example, you know, it can monitor your heart rate, and if you have a spike or a sudden change in heart rate, it can automatically call for emergency. Listen, if you go to Florida and you go to a retirement home, everybody's got a life lock, right? They've got the thing where you can call. <laughs> The ambulance and the police. Correct. You can, you can, you can even get an electrode hooked up to your heart, so they'll do the call for you. Okay? Especially I don't need that. On, on the latest uh, development at Del Boca Vista. Yeah, exactly. Phase two, Del Boca Vista. Yeah, this is where <laughs> the Costanzas live and uh, the Seinfelds. So yeah, I, I'm not interested in the Apple Watch. Uh, I take your gimmicks home. You know, um, okay, it's, not so a, it's not a bad list. I, it's it's yeah. a nice list. It's a very. I like the fact that they brought in different watches of different yes. ages and everything and put it in. Um, which is the one you would take? take if you we were to take one of those 50, which is the one you would take? Well, I already have the Speedmaster. So I'm All done. Right. <laughs> You're done. All right. The one I would no, take is... I, I like the Zenith El Primero. Okay. The, uh, was it number 20 on the list? Okay. I'll take number, number 39. What's number 39? The Zen EZM1. Ooh. Okay. Okay. That is such a killer tool watch. That is a killer watch. That is that is not a joke. Yeah. Okay, cool. I I yeah, I you know, I don't I think there's a bit of a bias here that most of the cheaper, more accessible watches are closer to fifty and the more expensive your Patex and your Audemars Piguets are near the top ten. I think a truly fair watch, uh, a fair listing would have a more distributed uh, uh, showing for yeah. price, okay? Like, I think the uh, you know, this is just me, but the SKX007 is the gateway drug for mechanical watches for a whole generation of watch nerds. That should not be uh, number 47. I, I think I disagree with that. Okay? The other that should thing be is... top 20, at least. The other thing that's missing is the Seiko 61388. It was the 6139 that came first. The automatic um, Seikos. The automatic Seiko. You know, the Not one that is... Yeah, that JPS, came out of, the, the Panda. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. the one that came out the same era, time as the El Primero, you know? Yeah. I, um, so, yeah. I, I, the list isn't perfect. I, I, they've, they've done some good things here. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mind. I didn't expect... You know, I'm not expecting the SKX to be number one or anything, but, you know... I, but in I, your I, books, it is. I don't know why Panerai is number five. Like Panerai should be, you know, flushed down the toilet. <laughs> no, you really do not like Panerai. I don't like Panerai. Yeah, I find them to be very boring and repetitive and huge. And the other interesting one is the Patek Philippe Reference fifteen eighteen. It's an iconic watch in the sense it's the first, if I'm correct, um, and I'm probably going to get uh, destroyed if I got this wrong. Um, it's the first. Uh, 
chronograph perpetual calendar uh, com- combination that ever produced. This looks like something a Swiss banker would wear when he's hiding Absolutely. gold for the Nazis or something. You know, but I'm not, surprised because <laughs> people prefer the successor, in my opinion, the 2499. I'm surprised that was not there and this was there, the 1518. Are you surprised that I actually know? I'm yeah, I'm impressed. I I can't help you there. Also, there are two Pateks in the top ten, which I think is also ridiculous. Pick one, you know. Pick one. Okay, wait. The, the Nautilus and the other one. Actually, you know what? It's not that two bad. in the top ten. The Nautilus is iconic. They're all iconic. That's nonsense. Come on. The funny thing is, Nautilus is number nine, I guess, because. Gerald Genta did that, but Gerald Genta also did the Royal Oak, which is number three. Yeah, I just feel like these are just a lot of watches that people tend to talk about, which I, I get that could be another whole other approach to make a list. I understand, but I don't know. I, I yeah, I, you know, I, I I've mean, said my complaints. I, you know, the AP the should be higher. That's just what I'm saying. The AP Royal Oak, you know, it was revolutionary. It came up because no one thought that they, these high end watchmakers could sell a stainless steel watch for. Or, yeah, but this is just more like, you know, what, what, what does the market bear? This is more like a marketing thing than a, you know, what? okay. I, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah, it's I like, see. yeah, so what? No, you know. Yeah, it's a simple three-hander watch. I got you. Blue-collar, blue jeans, bro. You know how I am. You do, and you have an Omega Speedmaster. <laughs> it's true. That's true. Blue-collar. <laughs> professional, <laughs> my Not the automatic, the professional. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, that's a good list. That's that's a good good jumping off yeah, point for debate. It's a good list. I mean, we, we obviously you know you and I and every other watch fan out there can bash it in certain sense, but overall, it's a nice a good mix of watches. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna look through this list and I'm gonna I'm gonna have more complaints, but uh, this is a good start. All right. Number one complaint: the SKX should be higher. Period. Okay. I and agree you, with that. You have As one. I, owns an I don't have one. Yeah. But the, your turtle made it, though. The turtle made it, but yeah, I think the SKX should be higher. I, I just think that it, it's touched it's, more lives than the Patek Philippe 5513. You have combined both a Patek Philippe and a Rolex together. <laughs> Sorry. And I closed, I closed the tab. I closed the tab. <laughs> yeah, on that note, um, all right. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Land Jam podcast. Um, if you haven't, please subscribe. If you could do us a favor, please give us a review and a rating on iTunes. It really kind of helps the podcast. And uh, yeah, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thanks for joining. Appreciate it.